We are at week three in our Imagine campaign public um, portion of this campaign, and uh, we have come to a, a lesson entitled The Grace of Giving. First of all, I want to read to you this Ephesians 3.20 that shows up on our uh, publications about Imagine. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us and you may recognize that that's not a complete sentence but boy is the message there our Lord Jesus is able to do immeasurably more than we can verbalize in an interrogatory sentence or can imagine and some of us have good imaginations, doesn't strain him at all, he turns to the Holy Spirit and says, just do it. And more than we can imagine begins to happen. In 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, beginning with verse 1 is where we're going to work this morning as far as our Bible lesson. And it goes something like this. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Notice that sentence. Very interesting. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. That can happen when God is involved. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich." And then later in that chapter, beginning with verse 12, for if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what he does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be Equality. Story is told about a, a pilot of a single-engine plane uh, crossing the Atlantic many years ago who was uh, beginning to pick up some sounds. And, and the noise in a single-engine plane is pretty, pretty high level. But if you're like all of us who, who uh, drive, you listen to the sounds and if there's a little different sound that you hear it even if the general uh, decibel level is high 
he began to hear something that that he identified finally as as a stowaway rodent under his instrument panel chewing on the wires and he would occasionally have these pieces of of insulation from the wires drop down about his feet this is a serious thing because you can't turn loose of the plane to get under there and get this thing what to do he had a, an oxygen supply which he put on himself and gained altitude and went up high enough that the freeloading and destructive rat died and fell down at his feet where earlier uh, part of his plane parts had been falling. Today I want us to talk about taking giving to a level that is higher. Now some of you have been in this church for a long time and you probably have a pretty healthy attitude toward giving because we have a pretty healthy attitude toward giving. If you are new to this church, it's obvious that all we want is your money because we gave you two chances to give it. Now, if you noticed, however, the sales pitch, the first one was, it's time now to take the tithe offering. God bless you as you give. That takes less than 10 seconds of the service time to sell that. And then after Bob Braswell had told you, we need your money, I said, there you have it. Make your check out to Crown Point Church. That's the sales pitch. So I, I don't mind taking, I would take another offering if we needed to, because we're not going to hassle you about it. You give if you want to give. But some of you have, have had experiences in settings where there is a lot of manipulation and a lot of guilt, and it becomes a legalistic thing in some settings about giving to God. We want you to give your money to God so that you can open up the windows of heaven and have your needs met. And we will continue to teach giving so that you can be blessed and can prosper. That's, who, that's where we are. There, we, we have a strategy. And it's to set you free. Uh, Pastor Barry, who's on vacation, by the way, uh, brief vacation to attend a family graduation on the eastern seaboard. He loves to say this. If you're new here, we don't want you to, we don't want your money. And I always kind of go, mm, when he says that, but it's, but he's right. This is not about getting your money. This is about getting your life into God's hands so that you can go up a level. And that's what we want to do. The, the concept for giving that is in the text is grace. Did you notice grace appearing and reappearing repeatedly? And it's not an, an obligation. Verse 1 says, and now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. This word grace is, is the Greek chorus. And uh, early on in the, in the Greek language, before the New Testament was written, it meant... Uh, attractive, appealing, winsome. By the time the New Testament was written, uh, this Greek word 
had come to mean, especially in New Testament usage, it was indicating God's desire to give those qualities to us. Those qualities, attractive, appealing, winsome. God's grace does that in us. And uh, when I was in uh, Bible school, the first go-around, grace meant unmerited favor. Well, of course it does. It means that. But that is, that's like, eh, okay. But listen, honey, when you need the joy to give something away that you have a place for and to give it away will change your lifestyle... Are you following me? Then to give that with joy is an effect of the grace of God. And so we want to be motivated by the attraction of the Holy Spirit, something that is winsome in us and to us, not a legalistic extraction from those who are unwilling to give. In the text, the Macedonian example of generosity was used to challenge the Corinthian church. It was also used to challenge us. I grew up uh, in this country, and we have this great sense of my right to privacy. Now, that's going away because Big Brother needs to know where you are and what you're doing. So watch for those privacy issues to uh, be less stressed by the government as, as we evolve the way we are in a civic sense. But, dear one, privacy in what you give wasn't important to the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul. He reached over and said, this church over here has given so much. What are you going to do? Now, I grew up with a resistance to that. And somehow that's invading their privacy or invading mine or something's wrong with this. But the Holy Spirit didn't seem to agree with me. And so this, this Macedonian example, and I want us to just get it. Grace is a supernatural compulsion that leads us to give rather than a legalistic extraction that forces us to give. Number one. Grace leads to sacrificial giving. What compels people to give sacrificially? Why, why would people do that? Why would I, why would Eunice and I give to the Lord to the level that it affects certain things that we are able to buy, certain things we would like to do? Why do we do that? Under the law, a certain level of giving can be reached. But if the grace of God touches you, I, I, let me tell you how it affects me. I sit there at my desk and write out a check. And it's like, praise God, look, look. At what I'm able to give. God has blessed me. I know where I came from. I know what I used to make. Honey, I can give 
two or three times as much to the Lord as I used to make in a month. Sometimes three or four times as much we give. Because I didn't make a lot, but I was making what I deserved and what I was worth. You know, and I understand that. And uh, I do not assume that because I'm making more now, I am worth more. What I assume is that the grace of God has come upon this setting because of certain things that I'll get to in a minute. The grace of God has come upon this setting, and God blessed me with an incredible woman of faith uh, to partner with me in this kind of thing. And it is wonderful to be able to give. I've told you about Bible school students. And I don't think there's anyone poorer than Bible school students. And uh, I know that today they have far more than I did, but by comparison, they're probably just as poor as I was. My first year at Southwestern, I had $5 a week to put gas in my car, do my laundry, eat out, and date. And dates can be pretty simple uh, when you're working on that kind of a budget. Now, my, my weekly budget doubled the next year, so I had 10 bucks a week to do that stuff on. And it was really one, it was a relief. I will say that first year was kind of tough. Uh, Dad didn't mind us learning to get along on less. We'd always had it pretty soft. Now, why do people give? Because grace is upon them. And sacrificial giving, get this definition, is the kind of giving that will change your lifestyle. It will take you from being able to have all of the toys or do all of the trips or whatever it is that's special to you. Uh, eat out, uh, if, if that's special to you. It will take you down a level in your capability of doing some of that. That's, that's sacrificial giving. And here is what... The Macedonians were dealing with out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. Did you get that? I'm poor, so I can't be happy. Well, I knew that. Their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty. They would make the poorest among us look super rich. They were so poor. They were grindingly poor. And that hurts. That, that is painful. And with this great joy and this grinding poverty, it welled up in rich generosity. How does that happen? That's what grace is. That's what grace does. Grace giving will change so that these people that everyone else thought was extremely poor gave the largest offering and had the joy because it's more blessed to give than receive. I brought up that thing about poverty in Bible school students because uh, I remember us saying, and you know, when we were so poor, well, it's more blessed to give than receive, but I don't mind receiving. And, and we needed to receive. We needed some more money. Two bucks could have made a difference in our lifestyle a lot of the time in Bible school. Don't you feel sad? Your heart just heavy. Listen, dear one, when your eyes are on the Lord, 
there is a grace of giving that comes, and it even hit me a couple times at Southwestern. I've already told you those stories, but they'll probably be recirculated because my, though my wife says, you need some new stories. I said, well, that's the only thing that's ever happened to me. So, you know, if that's the only thing that's ever happened to you, you just have to repeat them. But here is their overflowing joy, extreme poverty, welling up in rich generosity. And although those two things don't seem to go together, let me point out to you that sodium and chlorine by themselves can be volatile, unstable, and toxic. Together, they make salt, which is essential to life. So it's not what we have it's what we do with it that makes the difference. Um, verses 12 through 14, for the, if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what does not have. Then there will be equality. There is a couple of lines there in that chapter about equality. And this brings us to Mark 12, where I call this the might of the might. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in everything, all she had to live on. Now, it changed her lifestyle. It's called fasting. And Jesus said when she did that, that she gave more than the rich guys who absolutely put in the stuff that could change what the temple ministry could do. And those gifts are extremely important in a campaign like we're talking about. But dear one, she gave more than they did. And the Lord is the one that makes that call. And so, number one, grace leads to sacrificial giving. Number two, God expects us to give spontaneously. Verse three says, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own. They were not coached in this, but spontaneously they begin to give. Listen, when spontaneity is expressed... It's not the result of outward expulsions, tighten the screws down, but inward propulsion, which the joy of the Lord flows in and the whole ship begins to rise because of the joy of the Lord. Now, how does this happen? Well, it's when a new affection comes into your life. Some of you guys remember falling in love and uh, maybe it was with golf I hope it was with a beautiful uh, and godly woman of high character who also liked you but you could have fallen in love with golf and a guy that is stingy and tight and won't spend a penny for anything when he when the golf bug bites him goes out and spends way too much money for clubs way too much money for lessons and and he can be heard out on the golf course, head down, arm straight, follow through. As if it's the Lord's prayer or better. Over and over and over, he says that because he has a new love. Um, 
Or perhaps it was when you fell in love with that girl and it's like whatever I, I could do to make her happy, to contribute to her sense of well-being, to, to give her good entertainment. It was like, you know, suck the money out of wherever you've got any. We didn't have credit in those days. And, and do it. Do it. It's easy to do it. And you know what I thought about when I was away from her? Well, of course, I thought about her. But what I was thinking about was having the best car to carry her around in. That's a southern expression for drive her around. Having the best clothes to put on her. It was these were pleasant thoughts. This is the way I entertained myself. A new love, a new affection. And the secret of the Macedonian giving with such great generosity was that a new affection had invaded their lives. And the challenge before us as a congregation demands a motivation, a single motivation, and that is the love of Jesus Christ. You think about the power of of all of this, and it might, maybe it could be illustrated with you. Early in the morning, if you have a baby and the, it's on the, the room is on the east side of the house, and the rays of the sun can come in on this infant so softly, and it's just like, this is the, oh, this is the most gentle, this is the most wonderful. I used to hold a little girl who grew to be kind of tall and have really dark curly hair. I used to hold her at six in the morning when she woke up, and give her a bottle, and it was so peaceful in that room that I could hear the milk go through the nipple. Now, that may not mean squat to you, but that's still very, very precious to me. I loved it. We had waited for years to get a baby, and the Lord finally blessed us, and here was this incredibly beautiful and so easy. She slept from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. After, I won't even finish that. <clears throat> it makes some of you crazy. Um, our families all hated us for because our kids were so good. Uh, I said, well, you know, it's the, it's the upbringing and it's the genes. What can I say? But I, I didn't say it very loudly. Now, this sunshine that shines in this room so softly and looks so precious and so gentle, if that sun decided not to shine within days, all life on this earth would cease. All of the giants in the depths of the ocean would be frozen solid where they were. So you see this gentleness can, can well up and, and become like this new affection and can change things. It is powerful. It is wonderful. Now, sacrificial giving can be either an awful drudgery... Or it can be a light, wonderful opportunity, depending on the sense that we bring to it. And if you're saying, oh, preacher, get over it. I'll give you 10 bucks for that campaign. 
Count me in for 10. Now can we talk about something else? You bring that attitude toward it, it's going to be very difficult for you. But if the love of Jesus Christ begins to raise your little boat to go back to that model and that figure, the love of Jesus Christ will raise you up to a level and you will find that sacrificial giving contributes to a a light load and an easy work. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Number one, grace leads to sacrificial giving. Number two, God expects us to give spontaneously. Number three, God expects us to give spiritually more than anything else. The giving of the Macedonians was an outward expression of their inward relationship with God. Verse five says, and they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with God's will. Now, giving with the wrong motive has been around for a long time. And some people say, oh, you just, you just give so you can get. Well, if you read the Bible, it's hard to deny that you're going to get. Because in every place where God calls for you to give money, he says, and watch what I do in blessing you materially. And I can't change the scripture. I know you can, but I can't. Pardon sarcasm. Don't pardon sarcasm. Just deal with it. Giving with the wrong motive can not only be giving to get, but uh, get more money, but also in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uh, said, but when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, some people say, oh, I can't let, can't let anybody know what I give if it's, if it's a relief offering. If you're giving to the agape fund, don't let anybody know what you're giving, okay? The people who count the money, that's Okay. They don't, you know, they're confidential. But if it's tithe, if it's missions, if it's uh, imagine campaign, that's, that's not included here. When you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Why? Then your father who sees in what is done in secret will reward you. That's why. Because if you get your reward here for giving alms is the is the old English word there, then that's the reward that you get and that's all you get. Now, we've laughed about uh, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, which says, each man should give what is decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we talked about grouchy giving. And, and we say it like this. God loves a cheerful giver, but we will take grouchy money. But dear one, that that's just a joke. Uh, if if you're really grouchy about giving, uh, the Lord will probably take care of us another way. What I would love to see you is to move into the grace of giving, so that when you give that money, you're saying yes, hallelujah. And if you were in Africa, and they you were giving the offering, I know they do this in some areas of Africa. They put the offering plate down here and it, take tw- it takes 20 or 30 minutes to take the offering because they're dancing and praising the Lord as they carry their money down there to give it away and they can't afford it. They make far less than we. It affects their lifestyle and they're having a party. Now that's the grace of giving. May God give us that. 
The Macedonians' giving was just an outgrowth of their love for the Lord. Giving is not the only indicator of love for Christ, but it will be an indicator. You can, you can give without loving God, but you can't love God without giving. George W. Truett was a, a prince of preachers. He preached about 100 years ago. And he was, he was known as the, the one who could make an appeal for an offering that was more powerful, more compelling, and gripping than anyone who, who stood to preach anywhere. The story is told that he, there was in a large congregation and they were taking up an offering that was very, very important. And he had preached and brought it down to where God wants you to give yourself. And it was this text here. They first gave themselves to the Lord. They first gave themselves to the Lord, then to us. And they had very large baskets that the ushers were carrying. And as they went through, there was a lot of money being put in these things. And on the back row, a little old street kid had slipped in. He was ragtag, and he didn't have a penny on him. And when the usher got to the back row, the little kid just climbed over in the basket. And at first, the usher, since that was the last row, he was just going to take it out, and then he stopped. And he turned around and he picked that basket up and he carried it out front. Without anything being said, grown men started to sob. I can't imagine that happening, but. And another offering took place, which was far larger than the first one. And it was because a little kid got the message and demonstrated it. We need to give ourselves to God. And because, you see, money is just liquid life. It's that you, you, you give yourself in your profession or on your job, in your business. You give yourself to what people need and they will pay you for that so that this becomes an, a, a tangible expression of your very life force, your capabilities, your, your creativity, your faithfulness, all of your skills, everything. This is what it's about. And, and you can put that into an offering so that it's, it's a piece of your life. Like that little kid just got over in the basket you can take a part of your life and put it in to what God is calling for. And let me just put it this way. The most sensitive nerve in the human anatomy is the nerve that connects the heart with the purse, the soul with the billfold. I saw a cartoon once and this, this pastor and this baptismal candidate were standing in the, in the tank and the pastor says, now, when I put you underwater, everything that goes underwater will be God's. It will belong to God. And the next frame in the cartoon was, pastor was like this, and the water was about here, and there was a hand with a billfold sticking out <laughs> of the water. That's a very sensitive nerve, that very, very sensitive 
But listen, when a congregation, when a person catches the spirit of giving and when a congregation catches the spirit of giving, it becomes the wind beneath the wings of what God will do in ministry, what he can do with them throughout. Years ago, one of our gals had a dream. She's sitting in this room this morning. She had a dream that spoke about the incredible fertility and harvest, the forthcoming and subsequent harvest to what God was doing in this congregation years ago. Now, we have waited for years for that to be fulfilled. And it's been fulfilled in small ways. Many of you were saved right here. And so we're not going to make light of that. But we have not come to the level that that woman felt in that dream. The Holy Spirit just spoke to us in this service about what God wants to do with this congregation. And I want you to know, dear one, that it is not about buildings. It's not about budgets. It's about the child in Sunday school. It's about the missionary on the field. The sacrificial gift becomes the next generation sitting where you are and leading where you lead. Because we are faithful and generous in giving. Philosopher Alfred North Whitehead once said, the wise man is the one who plants shade trees under which he will never sit. And so I want to say, what kind of memorial will we leave? Is it going to be having gone higher so that so that, that rat of legalistic giving, well, I have to give a tithe because God promises a curse if I don't get it. You know, if, 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 if you know, we need to we need to get up high enough that that rat can die, and we need to move into the grace of giving so that when we write that check, it's like yes, man, I love to see this in the check register. I want the largest check I write to be CPC. You can guess what that may mean. I don't want my house payment to be larger. And CPC. I, I don't want whatever bill. If we get out of control on the credit card and paying it off that month, I don't want that to be larger. Now it can be. Your house payment can be larger than that, so forth. But if you get if you get that spirit of joy, there is there is it's a wonderful thing. So, what are you going to leave? A little tight-fisted, dried-up heart. Or like the guy in Psalm number one, verse three says, he's like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields his fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. May we pray. Father, these are yours. And I bless them in the name of Jesus. And I ask your grace to come upon them. Lord, your grace is so obvious in so many of them that it's amazing I, that I had the nerve to stand and preach this sermon because many of them have already received that grace and they will do what you call them to do. But I believe that you're speaking 
a little bit to them and a lot to some of the rest of us who can grow in that grace. The love of Jesus Christ can be broadcast in our hearts much more widely. The light of the gospel can shine much more thoroughly. We just bless you that you're blessing us right now. Now, I want to do one thing. If you just look back up here at me, please. This has been an interesting sermon. You obviously always want your money out of it. But the fact is, we are talking about doing something here that can release ministry and literally turn thousands to the Lord. And we're interested in that. We want that here. And it'll cost us something. And so that's, that's what this has been about. And if I didn't speak to you, you, you're worth more than that. Come back and I'll give you a whole sermon sometime. But what I want to ask you is, are you ready to meet God? You say, yeah, but I don't want to give him all my money. <laughs> Let me put it like this. If God gets a hold of you and you ever give a nickel to him, you will love giving it. You'll say, that's the most fun I had all week long. I'm going to try that again. That's the way he is. He loves you. And he's reaching out for you. And if you're not right with him, you can start right now, right where you sit. Would you bow your heads again? And if you're not right with God and you're ready to get with him, would you just raise your hand up? Just put it up in the air. God bless you. Someone else. Someone else. This is why we're on this hill. This is why we're talking about building a building. It's because of you. If you're not right with God, because we owe you, because God has drawn you and loves you, and he's going to work his work in you if you give him a chance. All right. Let me do this. Let me ask all of you to repeat this prayer. This one that raised their hands, their hand, and those of you who could very well have done so and just didn't pray this prayer because when we cry out to the Lord he hears us and he answers that prayer will you please repeat Heavenly Father please forgive my sins come into my life I need a new affection I need new life save me through Jesus Christ I believe you. I thank you. I call on you and believe that you're risen. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for saving me. Through Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.